Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters, a podcast discussing everything Star Wars 5e. My name is Todd, I've got Tegan here, and we're looking forward to jumping into hyperspace with you. Let's go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters Podcast Season 4, Episode 2. Tegan, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing pretty good. I just kind of enjoying the new year so far. Yeah, and uh, I know we touched on it last time. We were unsure, but I did turn out that Bad Batch has come out. Caught up on that yet? I'm not. I'm way behind on that. <laughs> I've got to go give that a shot. Look, I have a few episodes to watch, so once I get in there. Yeah, yeah. So I think we'll be up to four by the time this episode comes out. Um, I'm caught up on the first three, so pretty good so far. I had some travel, and I also caught up on Tales of the Jedi. That actually was really good. First episode um, was a little slow to me, but the rest of them, I thought that was a great, great miniseries. So anyone out there that hasn't seen that, I think that's one to check out. The Dooku stuff with that was amazing. So if, you, if you're a Dooku fan and want to learn more about Dooku, watch that. Like there's first half or the, that half of it is really good yeah absolutely so definitely great great stuff there and then of course as we said bad batch also there was a mandalorian trailer out uh, the other night during the football game uh, and it's it's out on the interwebs as well uh new season looks super cool not gonna i won't say anything about it but uh definitely check that out i believe that's like the beginning of march is is when that season comes out so lots of great stuff coming i say it's a huge star wars year with this one we've got that we've got the uh, Disciple, or I forgot what it's called. There's one that's about the four stuff that's coming soon. We've got, uh, I think, Ahsoka still this year. Uh, this is a ton of Disney Plus content coming for Star Wars, so it should be a pretty good year. Absolutely. Lots of things to help us inspire our own adventures, so and we're going to talk about that. We've got a great guest with us today, Moth, a.k.a. Doomer, on the interwebs. And, you know, they have some great stories about uh, just some of the, the adventures that they've put together, a lot, of, a lot of experience with various systems. So looking forward to that conversation. On the front end, though, uh, for us, of course, check out DungeonJediMasters.com for access to all of our content, this podcast, YouTube channel for VODs of actual plays and tutorial videos, things of that nature, Twitter and Instagram. Instagram, during this year, all of the content on Instagram is going to relate to our Patreon modules. So this first quarter is our cityscape locale and all of those little um, NPCs, items, etc., will relate to that. So it's just further flushing out the content for that. And then, of course, Twitch, where we do actual plays, live plays, and things like that. And then lastly, our Patreon. Patreon is the best place to support what we do here. And uh, we do have some new members. Uh, Tier 2, big shout out to Daniel, William, Marco, and Austin. Thank you so much. Uh, Tegan, we have a couple Tier 3 members as well. Perfect. And a big shout out to our tier three subscribers. We've got uh, Benjamin, who's coming in with us for a year. Thank you for the support. Uh, and Johnny, and definitely check out if you guys are interested in uh, one of our uh, play-by-post games. We'd love to have you on as well. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, definitely room for that there. And of course, a big shout out to all of our existing Patreons. We really appreciate it so much. Uh, we love interacting with you and just learning about your games and, and getting inspiration from you. And of course, those members do get access to our Patreon content. Of course, I mentioned the Hex Map adventure that we put together so far this first quarter of the year and all of our previous modules, adventures, etc. So be sure to check that out. Uh, touching on Patreon modules uh, for 
February here, we will be doing a adventure that I'm going to do a little bit of an underground, some dungeon crawl inspiration um, going for on that. So we're going to have uh, some black market items being ran through the city, through the underground. That's all, all I will say about it right now. So uh, if you are a Patreon member, you'll be able to see that here shortly and have access to that. Other things that we are doing, of course, so we mentioned last episode is our community submissions. Uh, we already have some of those, some great stuff so far, uh, but we do want to see more of that. So we'll have a link again in the show notes to that form where you can fill that out. There are three sections. You have the Patreon community adventure, which will be in March. So that is specifically going to relate to the cityscape location here. So any ideas, have it be towards that, which we'll then put a specific adventure together about that. We also have the on-the-spot one-shots. Keegan and I are going to put together a one-shot here on the episode live with ideas that you put together. And then lastly, Ask DJM. So I think that's going to be our next episode, uh, but we have some great ideas, but please add some more. And we're just going to talk about your questions. Yeah, definitely. We'd love to hear from you guys, especially with the Ask DGM, kind of what's going on at your table, areas you could use help with. Uh, so chime in. We know, I know there's a lot of uh, just strolling through Reddit and sometimes the Star Wars 5e server. There's a lot of questions going on there. So throw them in. We'd love to help uh, make your table run a little bit smoother. All right. I think that's pretty much everything. Uh, Tegan, give us a shout out of Star Wars Tuesdays over on your channel on Twitch. Definitely. Uh, we'll, uh, th today we'll be going into Stranded. Unfortunately, we missed this uh, last week's uh, invasion uh, due to scheduling and work issues for a couple of our players. So uh, we're going to be kicking it back off with Stranded uh, with Keith running it. Uh, we are going to be uh, most likely having a mutiny with our captains. So it should be pretty fun. So I've never actually done a mutiny with D&D or Tabletop. So I'm looking forward to it. So come check it out, see how we do and what shenanigans we get up to as we uh, overthrow the captain. Very cool. Look forward to that one. Uh, when and where will that be again, Tegan? Definitely. So we can join us on my uh, Twitch channel, Tegan J Gaming at Twitch, uh, and that'll be uh, at 6.30, 7 p.m. Eastern time. So come through, hang out with us on Tuesdays. Uh, get to soak up some fun Star Wars content and see what we get up to. Awesome. Looking forward to it. All right. I believe that's everything on the front end. So let's bring Moth in here and we'll chat with them about their experience with tabletops. All right, everyone. So happy to have Moth with us here, aka Doomer. Uh, hello, friend. How are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. How are you? Doing great. Glad to have you on. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. So we definitely have some history. I think uh, all of us uh, together in, in some forms with playing games together, tabletops, uh, definitely lots of Star Wars 5e uh, games together and, and whatnot. So excited to dive into that and otherwise as we do in these, you know, DM spotlights. So uh, start us off as we do. Uh, give us a quick background on your uh, introductions to tabletops. Uh, what does that look like for you? Yeah, definitely. So I started out um, in 2018, summer of 2018. I got invited to like a one shot um, at the summer camp I was working for. Um, I was pretty unsure about it because like D&D &D wasn't really in my sphere of knowledge, really. I hadn't done anything like it, just like, you know, video games. Um, so a little unsure, but I sort of got talked into it. And after that first session, I was totally hooked. I played like a like a life cleric or whatever, but we were doing this murder mystery thing. So it was it was a fun time. After that uh, summer, I picked up the 
the three core books uh, and then uh, the starter set and sort of just went from there. Yeah, that's awesome. So traditional 5e that was uh, mm -hmm. sounded like. Yeah, yeah. And did you get into uh, and we'll touch on this more later, but uh, I know you do a lot of uh, GMing. Did you kind of go right into GMing from there? What was how, when did that come about? Yeah, so initially I was looking just to be a player, but, uh, you know, none of my friends had any other experience, you know, at that time. yeah, so I was like, well, you know, I, <laughs> I want to play this game and, you know, if I got to run it, I got to run it. So, you know, let's just bite the bullet and figure it out. <laughs> Story of so many GMs. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, That's great. Do you remember what you did for your first campaign or what was uh, kind of your first kind of couple sessions like? Yeah, so I ran um, the uh, Lost Minds of Fandelver, which comes in the original starter set, and I had basically no knowledge on it. Um, I think partway through like the full campaign, I started listening to uh, the Adventure Zone um, from like the McElroy family, who actually started out with that module and then homebrewed it. So. But really, I was just sort of flying by the seat of my pants, you know. Um, so those first couple of sessions um, were really just like trying to like get a hold on like the rules. Um, I started out with only like two or three players. So, yeah, I was glad. In hindsight, I'm really glad I didn't like, <laughs> you know, go for like a six person uh, party or something. Do you have a preference of table size nowadays? Yeah, generally, um, my preference is about four people, just because I feel like I can know everyone's characters. You know, I have time to like manage backstories and like the different hooks and what have you. And yeah, right now, most of my tables though are over that, <laughs> but it's sort of just how it is. Awesome, awesome. So how about uh, Star Wars 5e? How did you come across that uh, first and, and what got you into that? Yeah, so um, in the past, I had already started looking at like other systems because um, 5e was my first system. I had like seen actual plays of other things, but really I hadn't looked at anything that wasn't straight 5e, like period. Um, so I was looking around. I wanted something more like sci-fi or whatever, you know, something very Star Wars-y. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, Reddit says that there's like this whole community. So I think I like asked about it or something. And Todd, you like invited me to like a server and I like jumped in a, a one shot. Um, As I say, I was kind of running through my own head. I, I'm assuming it was probably one of the one shots that, mm -hmm. that we first connected. Yeah, I remember that it was like one. Oh, gosh, we were doing like space combat. Uh, ship combat and <laughs> funny story i um i live in a place where there's like tornadoes and stuff and i actually like got caught in like some severe weather while that was happening i think i remember that yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i was i was figuring it out um it was a fun session but yeah i had to like move my sort of setup <laughs> and <laughs> you know hobble down to the basement or whatever but you know i had a great time i was hooked after that I really Did you keep it. power the whole time? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it worked out. Yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah, that was that was wild. 
Yeah, I think there was like a connection issue at once, but other than that, I, you know, I powered through and I was like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, and then uh, I think shortly after that, whether we did maybe another one shot or two after that, but I definitely enjoyed you and, and remember reached out for Tempest Feud. So, mm-hmm. you know, as um, R, R2 or R4? Yeah. R, as R2. R2 in that one. Yeah. Yeah. I had an R4 and another one and I always got, I always got this <laughs> mixed up. Yeah. A wonderful R2, the foodie mm-hmm. R2 from Tempest Feud there. Yeah. So any, uh, you're running any Star Wars 5e now or uh, tell us about any Star Wars 5e games you've ran yourself in, in the past. Yeah, definitely. So I haven't ran much in the way of like um, long-term um, like campaigns. I've run some like strung together sort of one shots. I have a couple of servers that I'm active in um, that, you know, the sort of thing that we'll do is like once a month, someone will run like a one shot of some sort. And sometimes they get strung along into like little mini campaigns. Um, so I'm partial to uh, the age of the empire. Um, just super nostalgic for me. Um so I've run a couple of like, you know, you're like rebels and you're just like, you know, messing up some Imperials days or whatever. And I think one of them was just like some smugglers sort of just completely adjacent to like the Empire side of things. But with that, like in the background, but I've been looking at maybe after one of my uh, current campaigns finishes up, maybe trying to run something longer form or like converting one of the um like older modules and figuring something out for that so andor definitely has me like itching to do so the age of empire like it just it, it makes it a little bit more fun too <laughs> yeah right i mean i love uh i think most of the stuff i've done has been like you know high republic or you know clone uh clone wars era or whatever and that's awesome uh, but like, I don't know, there's something that like is specifically passionate for me about like that specific era. So, yeah, it it is a great one. Obviously, you know, it, there's great reference points. You know, it was mm-hmm. what the core trilogy surrounded. So we have that. But yeah, it's just such a great, you know, such a great conflict, especially when you go, you know, kind of like uh, what Andor is set in that time period. As things ramp up, I think that there's amazing stories you can tell within that, you know. Definitely. Um, super cool. That struggle of the rebellion and all that's awesome. Are your um what are your tables? Do you have any in-person games uh online? What's uh what's that look like? Yeah, so I'm running um I think three three games, um like live games. Um so I have a bunch of play by posts that are always, you know, puttering away in the background. Yep. But um so I have um, two that are online using um, found, uh, Foundry and Forge, uh, and then one that's in person um, with a couple of friends. And um, the in person one, we're running um, The Wild Beyond the Witchlight, um, the 5e module. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really fun. I love like the Fey Wild stuff. Um, one of the online ones has been running, I think we're at like session 36, 37. Nice. Um, yeah, uh, that one's like really, that one's my baby. <laughs> um, it's um, like Eberron, um, like Inquisitor based. So um, they're like PIs. I totally go for like the noir, like pulpy, you know, gritty stuff. Uh, and it's generally set within like um, this huge like metropolis called Sharn where 
there's like industrial industrialized magic and stuff it's a whole thing but still 5e with that one yeah yeah uh, awesome. and then my non-5e one right now is uh, i'm running a starfinder um we're doing the threefold conspiracy which is um just like one of the ap's um very like mystery based um lots of conspiracy theories and wild stuff there um but that's um one one of like the standouts in terms of like uh not 5e and it's been like particularly long running i think we're on like 26 27 um sessions for that so nice to get a handful three campaigns I keep, you know, I keep it busy. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, you know, one thing I, I was looking forward to with this conversation uh, with you, Moth, is the, the breadth of systems that you're familiar with. You know, I think one thing I've recognized uh, as both a player and GM with you, you know, being a part of those seats with each other, um, but you have excellent knowledge of the systems. I, I just, I can't retain that information very well. Tegan does that very well as also, you know, mm -hmm. great knowledge of the mechanics. And that's just something that I personally struggle with, you know, like we did uh, like cyberpunk the other, uh, a while ago, you know, and cyberpunk red and just your ability to just know those mechanics was fantastic. You know, tell us some of the different systems, you know, I, I'm sure there's a long list, but tell us maybe some of your other favorite systems that you've recently played or whatever um, so far and, and uh, what you enjoy about them. Yeah, certainly. Um, so definitely right off the bat, Cyberpunk Red. Um, I, <laughs> it's such a, a, a unique system um, and I love the stuff that Artalsorian um, puts out. Um, they do like the Witcher um, tabletop game as well, which is sort of like based on that same system that they have going on. Um, but I don't know, like the setting, I already was hooked on it from like the uh, the video game, right? Um, and that sort of coincided with the release of this newest version of their tabletop game. Um, but I love like net running and um, like the hacking side of things. And then it sort of really incentivizes multi-classing. So if you're going through like a long-term campaign with Cyberpunk Red, um, you will basically be like capped at a point and will have to go to another multi-class. Um, cool. And you get to like create these like really like cool characters that sort of make sense as they come together. Um, I think that's awesome. Um, yeah. So that one's big on my list. I, I want to play that one sometime in 2023. I've heard really good things about it. Yeah, it's really, sometimes it's super chaotic and it you the system really lends itself to those, like if you're familiar with like um, the cyberpunk edge runners anime and stuff where you just have like people, goons coming in on all sides and crazy firefights. Yeah. <laughs> you got a crazy corporate, <laughs> corporate run uh, world too, which is always fun. Definitely, which brings me to uh, another favorite system of mine, um, one that I've been like thinking about a lot, um, Cyborg and Morkborg and all of those sort of Borg-like uh, Yeah, we're talking about games. Pirate Borg uh, yeah. recently. Yeah. Um, I've been reading that. Um, I'm excited to get hopefully a one-shot or something pop in. But um, yeah, I played recently um, a couple of like Morkborg one-shots, um, I read through Cyborg. Um, I'm super stoked to play that. 
Um, I think they like added a bunch of cool like, rules um, on on top of what Morkborg already sort of created. Um, but um, as you both know, like I I do like a an old school uh, Renaissance sort of game as well. Um, and I think Morkborg is like it's complex enough that I could definitely see myself running like a full length campaign with it. Um, but simple enough that I could also run like a one shot, um, like real easily and just, you know, have a really good time with it. Um, yeah. I had a blast with the one shot you ran a couple weeks ago. Like I got, and that's actually with the old school, like uh, Renaissance ones. Like I took a look at the rules like an hour before, I'm like, okay, this all makes sense. And like, it wasn't like a huge, like a lot of other systems you have to like really read into, but those ones you can just pick up and play, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, definitely. And I, I just love that. Um, the ability of people just to pick it up and just roll with it. But then again, on the back end, there's like enough complexity for me um, to have that longer running campaign and to have people, you know, get better and level up and whatever, get really attached before, you know, the world of Morkborg just kills them off. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a little bit of a theme, I would say. I don't, I don't want to generalize too much, but I think with off many of the OSR type games, you know, it's longevity is not the thing, right? Because a lot of them, mm-hmm. you know, that good old dungeon crawl, what it was based on and, and you, you know, you're going to maybe survive and whatever, then you new character go on, right? Um, but I think that, you know, and there's some adjustments you could make um, at the table to help for that longevity because I think a lot of people love that storytelling aspect, you know, and then you look at a game like um, like Mouse Ritter, which is built on Into the Odd, you know, another fantastic one uh, I know both of you are familiar with and, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe you want to do this long story of these adventuring mice and that, for example, or whatever, and or the, you know, kind of that dark uh, tone of Morkborg, you certainly could, you know, probably try and figure something out, but um, yeah, you know, those games are very deadly, um, and and it's something you just, uh, you kind of roll with, and it's part of the game. Uh, definitely lots of fun. Um, yeah, I've only had uh, one game where everybody survived with their original PC. A <laughs> uh, cool thing with those games, for anybody who have detected out of OSR, you could build a PC in five minutes. So if somebody dies, they can literally just roll behind the screen and get right back in with random pc who comes in uh if you you have people cancel play these games because like they're a great way to keep the table still playing without having to like do a whole bunch of work Mm -hmm, definitely yeah yeah absolutely i think uh you know i've talked a little bit uh, about this but mothership you know is a good example uh literally one page paper character sheet like that's all you need to build your character and it tells you what to do it's so fast you know and a lot of those are the same way so absolutely uh some of those osr games there, Moth, or anything else that you've played, Cyberpunk, et cetera. Um, what are some of the mechanics from those uh, that you really enjoy? And then specifically, have you or how would you bring some of those mechanics over to, um, it doesn't have to specifically be Star Wars 5e, but you know, how would you bring, what mechanics would you like to borrow? Yeah. Um, so I think one that comes to the top of my mind I love messing around with um, inspiration or like inspiration like mechanics. So like another one that, you know, I know a couple of us at least are familiar with um, Savage Worlds has yeah. like Bennies. Um, Morkborg has like, oh, I forget what they're called, but like, yeah, they have a similar mechanic. But what's different to me from like um, Star Wars 5e or um, standard 5e is that 
um, they take like the um, the mechanics of of that sort of inspiration system a lot farther. And even if it doesn't have to be particularly complex, but I like when you can do a little bit more with it. So in Morkborg, I know you can like lower the um, the DR of like a test by four or like neutralize a crit or a fumble or whatever. Um, and I like with the inspiration you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then in um, Savage Worlds, same sort of thing. You can like re-roll your like your place and in initiative, you know, re-roll like damage dice, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, and I feel like in like standard 5e um, and even just like the Star Wars 5e, I feel like you can really implement those types of deals and try to um, incentivize players to be using inspiration and trying to gain inspiration. So how I've sort of enacted this in my own games, usually I'm pretty like liberal when it comes to just handing out inspirations. Um, so I think like Savage Worlds talks about like, oh, if someone tells like a, a joke that makes people laugh or whatever, like, you know, throw them a Benny. Um, the same sort of deal. I try to keep it like to a manageable amount so they're not just like, you know, totally steamrolling everything. Right. Um, but I like that sort of that sort of deal. I've been experimenting with using an inspiration to like get a hint or something like that. Um, and I, don't know, I just I like the idea of trying to expand on inspiration. I've been taking a lot of that from, you know, systems like Savage Worlds and Workborg and, and stuff like that. Have you ever thought, this is what I've been debating about adding into regular Star Wars 5e, uh, but with Mutants and Masterminds, and then I think Mask or somebody else, uh, they've got well, you can, inspiration, but they call it hero points, I think. Mm. Uh, but one of the cool uses they have for it is you can like change, like uh, the player can change the scene. Uh, so they can like add something to the scene and kind of like, uh, which means Smash runs a little bit faster pace, which is kind of a fun thing to do where they have like give your players some ownership and some things that they can contribute. So like they can say like there's a fire hydrant right there so they can help put out the fire villain or, or whatever is going on with it. But I thought it was like it was really fun and mutants and masterminds. I've been kind of kicking it back and forth and bring it over to 5e too. Have you ever done something like that or considered something like that? Yeah, I think a couple of times uh people have been like, you know, looking for a resource or whatever being like, oh, you know, I want like this specialty, like crafting, you know, uh, hub or whatever. I don't know. They need to make like alchemical, you know, potions or whatever. I'm like, all right, you can spend an inspiration and, you know, you'll, we'll say that you have like a connection somewhere that uh, can get you hooked up with like the proper equipment or, or something like that. Um, and yeah, again, it, I think it's just pretty, pretty loose. And I like, utilizing that for things um like that where it's like i don't know enough that you don't want to really send them on this whole quest to like figure out you know a place to craft like one item but you want you know them to feel like they've earned it like if they did something to get that inspiration they're now spending it to get what they need so i think that's that, I, I love the way you put that, and I, I wanted to say uh, Bennies and Savage Worlds, it, even written in use for Bennies, it does say you can use this to kind of influence the story or whatever. So what you're specifically talking about, Tegan, I think, you know, exactly how is one of the purposes there. And it, it actually is pretty rare, but uh, when I've seen it, it's been fantastic. Like a player has used it uh, wonderfully. But yeah, Moth, I think like there's so many times where, you know, you don't need to go through that whole 
you know, scenario situation role play that, you know, we go to the store and we get tool, right? Right. So I think that's, that's a beautiful way to put that. Um, you're in combat, you're like, all right, your players are competent enough where you probably would have had these tools or you would have bought these tools. You know, you just didn't act it out. It's not a big deal. So if you have the money for it, yes, have them use that inspiration or whatever. Um, that's kind of the cost of that kind of flashback. But I think that's that's a great way to do it. Um, Tegan, we were talking about uh, Blades last uh, episode with kind of the devil's bargain, which is a little bit along the same lines, too, I think, of, of being able to kind of re-roll and, and do something different there as well. Definitely. It's, I think like adding some stuff like that from like the uh, for the PBTA games or some like the other like styles can just add some more player ownership or engagement for like a better way to put it because uh, a lot of those games like they're, they're more player driven and i think even some tools like that for 5e star wars 5e uh will, will help we'll just kind of get more players involved and kind of like contributing to the story because they have a few more levers they can pull yeah definitely and there's something to be said for like that sort of difference between something like powered by the apocalypse games and something like 5e where it feels like you know i feel like the dm is seen as doing a lot more of like the storytelling the exposition the narration etc where sometimes you can let players you know take the reins a little bit you know you can tell me how this looks you can you know tell me if you would know someone who does this etc etc so yeah one example with that in savage worlds um with uh, critical failures uh, you know, and, and and they stress in that when you get a critical failure, uh, that something you know pretty bad happens, right? And um, I think a great way to to utilize that, and you could do this in Five E easily with like a natural one, but ask your player what happens, right? Like mm-hmm. you tell me how does this go so you know badly, and um, you know th- that player who knows their character pretty well, and and you know as long as they're not cheesing it and and trying to get off easy you know, they're probably going to come up with something so much better than you might have thought of. And, uh, you know, again, it's it's another way for the player to really have input on, you know, the story that you're all telling. Yeah, definitely. So even though that's a lot of the times those aren't necessarily, you know, established mechanics or whatever, I think that flavor, that sort of air of like really, you know, um, community like storytelling um, can be brought to Star Wars 5e and you know I think that's that's beautiful it's a great way of you know running games absolutely yeah uh moth any advice you have for new GMs I'd say just uh, never be afraid to communicate with your players I feel like all the time when it comes to seeing discussions online, um, even just discussions with like my fellow GMs and stuff, so much of it can just be resolved by just, you know, talking to your players, being upfront, being frank. You know, I see people talking about like, oh, you know, my players won't engage with the story. You know, I'm a new GM and I'm trying to run, you know, this module. You know, sometimes it's okay to be like, Let's set aside the screen for a second and, hey, you know, we're playing this module. If we want to do something else, it's fine. But like, this is what we're doing, right? So let's talk it out. Let's see how, you know, we can make this work for all of us and have a good time. Um, but just just really focus on being commutative. Um, 
being able to set aside the GM screen and, you know, just sit down and talk. It's crazy how much like, like I've lurked in like R- RPG horror stories and DM <laughs> Academy. Like you could just literally like step, just like talk to your players up there and like it would solve 95% of the stories. Yeah. I saw one um in like the Curse of Strahd subreddit, which made me think of this, um, where this GM, first time GM, um, uh, first time running any modules, whatever, um, just could not get the party to like um engage like the story the immediate like hooks and stuff i'm like i get wanting to resolve it in character and i think there's a lot of merit to that and stuff but especially when when you're starting out it's okay to just be like guys you know we're playing there's a reason there's got to be a reason for that right and you have to find that out right like you know as you said maybe pull the screen aside and like this is just not interesting to us right you know and and so then it's okay well this is what i've prepared we either do go forward with that or we're going to have to cut the session now and then give me time to prepare something, you know, and, and that's okay. I think, you know, as a GM, GMs aren't, how do I want to say this, but players aren't entitled to what the GM, uh, the GM's effort or work or, or whatever, right? Like, like they're there also as a player essentially, and, and they've prepared something and, you know, that communication is important so that, you know, you all have something to do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that that would definitely be my first piece of advice to any new GM. Just keep those lines of communication open and, you know, it's all right if, uh, you know, things don't work out how you want them to. Just, you know, figure it out as a team. Definitely. Would you play like a lot of systems too? Uh, is there any system that you'd recommend for somebody that may have just played Star Wars 5e or regular D&D 5e to uh, kind of expand their GM repertoire? Yeah, definitely. I I'd still probably go with one of the um old school renaissance. I think it just like switches up your your mindset of how TTRPGs can be run, right? Um I'd say probably something like um Into the Odd or Mouse Raider would be like pretty like safe choices, um and simple enough so that you're not overwhelmed by like another, you know, um 5e like scale thing um i know i've seen a lot of people talking about like um you know looking at pathfinder now um especially given all the recent events and like even that i know can be very like overwhelming especially if you're just coming from 5e and stuff so something like into the odd i think would be a great choice Uh, just expand your horizons and you know get a, a breath of fresh air and one thing I'll shout out with that, if you're on a budget, uh, I always mispronounce it, Karen or Karen. I don't know how to say it. It's C-A-I-R-N. Uh, you can Google it. It's free. Uh, it's based off Into the Odd and Snave, I think it is. Uh, re- it's really cool. Uh, it's completely free. They've got the monsters, the rules, all of it on the website for free. Uh, so if you don't, you're on a budget, check that one out too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that one I haven't uh, checked out myself personally, but I know it's into the odd built and and whatnot. Um, you know, I think also not just as GMs, but I think players too. You know, check out these other systems. I think we we kind of preach this all the time, like get out there, try other systems and whatnot. But I think um, when I went to those OSR style games, and and I had so much experience with Five E, it was hard. It was really hard mm-hmm. because I had this this concept of what I thought playing a tabletop was. You know, it was so ingrained to me that like, this is kind of how it works. And then 
it's just so very different and you have to really come away from that um, both as a player and a GM. So I'm both sides of the table there, but I'm so glad to get into it. And I really, really enjoy those styles of games now. And it has only just helped, you know, and I, cause you've, you've said this moth as well as I think it just helps you as a GM, as a player as well. Tegan, I know you've had with, with doing all the various games as well. Um, some of those like Karen and otherwise, like some of your first dives into, you know, some of the OSR style, did you have a similar experience? Definitely. Uh, so yeah, it's, kind of does change like the flow of it um kind of especially how you approach combat and like resource management uh because with a lot of those osrs like combat you should like avoid it if you really can <laughs> like uh, it, it's lethal uh but it's really one especially if you're like a dm that usually runs 5e or pathfinder like the more crunchy systems run an osr because it's freeing like you don't have to do that much prep uh, you come up with a concept you work with your players to tell the story like it's uh, it's just so it takes a lot of the weight off i'll say but you can still mm-hmm. kind of have a fun gritty adventure i'll also say this and I, I know you all have like imparted this as well to some degree, but like even if you, you know, play like an OSR for a little bit or whatever, and then just go back to 5e or whatever crunchy system you were playing before, I still think it's just worth it for the experience. Yeah. The broadening of horizons, all that, you know, it can't be overstated really. Yeah, this certainly isn't a, you know, one system is better than than the other at, by any means. Uh, you know, I just, uh, as you said, we're speaking from experience that there's a lot of value in, in that variety. Even if you just read, read the systems, you know, you mm-hmm. don't have to play them if you can, that's, you know, fantastic. But I think uh, there's so much value in just kind of seeing how other things work and, and operate for sure. Well, any final parting words, uh, any other advice for GMs or players or otherwise, or any comments otherwise moth? Um, I just say, keep an open mind, you know, keep looking to broaden those horizons, get that experience under your belt and yeah, good luck. Awesome. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Uh, maybe we'll catch up again down the road. Uh, good luck with all of your different games and, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you so much. A great conversation with Moth. We hope to have them on another time. So, as we discussed, go out, try out some new systems and see what you could learn and maybe bring over to Star Wars 5e or vice versa. Uh, Tegan kind of mentioned this at the beginning, but we're going to look at next episode being Ask DJM. Talk about some of the questions from the community. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Just kind of see what's going on uh, with the uh, Dungeon Jedi Master crew and kind of see what type of questions they have for us. So truly, if, you, if you're interested or got something that's kind of burning on your mind or just interested in something to see how we would handle it, maybe a situation that's already happened at your table, put it in. We definitely want to see what the community is doing and see what we can do to help. Absolutely. I think that's actually a great one to um, bring up is, you know, as you said, something that's already happened. How would you handle this? Uh, Absolutely. So again, a link to that form to submit a question or suggestion will be in the show notes here. And you can also find that uh, on Twitter and otherwise. So be sure to check that out. As always, we thank everyone for listening, following, subscribing. We appreciate it so very much. We'll see you on the next one. May the force be with you. May the force be with you.